Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you doing okay today. Happy Labor Day weekend. I don't know what kind of plans uh, that you have. Um, I know probably some of you watching online today are sitting in your trailer, your camper, whatever. This is the kind of the last big camping weekend of the year. Uh, so welcome to all of you. Uh, actually, I want to give a shout out to a couple people who are watching online today. Uh, give a shout out to Jen and give a shout out to Bob. Uh, so thank you, uh, all of you who are watching online uh, yeah, this is uh, an exciting weekend. Uh, actually, I'm wearing my uh, Washington football team uh, sweatshirt today. Uh, there's a reason for that, because we have a fantasy football league that's going to start this week at Hope. If you have not signed up yet, sign up today. We draft in two days. If you want to see the worst come out in Hope Church people, all the trash talk, all that kind of stuff, if you want to get beat by your pastor, this is the place to go. No, if you love football, we love to do that every year. It's always a fun, uh, fun thing. Um, uh, I, I do, on a serious note, though, I do also want to say, let's just be in prayer uh, this week again for, for those around the world, our brothers and sisters who are hurting. Uh, of course, um, last weekend, the hurricane uh, that came through in Louisiana and uh, there's wildfires out west right now. I was reading about this week really close to Lake Tahoe. Uh, of course, our brothers and sisters uh, in Afghanistan, in Haiti, uh, all around the world. Um, we want to be mindful and thoughtful and prayerful uh, for that um, it's important for you to know, too, you know, as a, t as a church and as we think about our mission around the world, uh, we actually partner with an organization called Bold Hope, who is, has a very big presence in Haiti, and uh, we have uh, taken steps just recently to up all of our support uh, to those global missions, and so I'm, I'm excited for that. And if you're looking for a way to help out um, specifically uh, there's an organization that uh, we've donated to for a long time. And we donated again this week, my wife and I, uh, to World Vision. If you go to worldvision.org, uh, you can help uh, give uh, to some of these crises. And I want the heart of our church to be a giving uh, church. And so I just wanted to make sure I said that right up front. If you're looking for a way to tangibly help, it's an organization that we trust that you can uh, give to specifically. So you should uh, check that out. Well... Every year, in a place called Cumbria, England, this really interesting competition takes place. They actually call it a championship. And it's called the World's Biggest Liar Championship. Has anyone ever heard of this? Yep, me neither. The World's Biggest Liar Championship. And here's what I understand, how, this is how it works. Each contestant has between two and eight minutes to concoct and tell the most persuasive lie that they can. 
I found this interesting. Politicians and lawyers are not allowed to enter the competition because, according to the website, they are judged to be too skilled at telling porkies. Yes, it's a real thing. The world's biggest liar competition. I think I actually have a, yeah, a picture here. This is the guy who won it in 2019. I think they took a break in 2020, and they'll be back again this year, apparently. But here's what I want to say. There is nothing more powerful than the power of a lie. There's nothing more powerful than the power of a lie. And today we are beginning a new series entitled, Shut Up, The Lies We Believe. And all year long, kind of our teaching focuses have been to speak into the loud voices all around us. And the truth is that right now, you are believing a lie. Everybody in this room, if you're watching online, you are believing a lie. So am I. Because the truth is, we all have these different lies that we believe that we really probably aren't even aware that we are believing. And let me tell you this, they're all different. But make no mistake, this lie that you're believing is shaping the way you live. It's shaping the decisions that you make. And in some cases, it's, and in some cases, it's going to shape your future path. And the worst part, we don't even realize it. So, over the next several weeks, Carrie and I are going to be speaking into this, exploring some of the lies we may, believe, may be believing, and helping all of us to gain the courage to tell them to shut up. We're done with it. Now, obviously, there are thousands of lies that pervade our lives, uh, lies that pervade our lives every day. We know this. And so we've been thinking around this question, and, you know, it's so broad, and how do we approach this? And this is kind of the, some of the questions that we're asking ourselves. We're saying, what are the lies right now that are most prevalent around us? I'm trying to think through that. What are the lies that may be the most destructive to people at Hope Church right now? Or what are the pervasive lies around us that people are believing, maybe in our community or if it was in this season of life? And I do want to stop and say thank you to all of you who helped us think even around some of this question. Your, your uh, insight was super valuable. We appreciate you uh, joining in on that conversation. And so there are a lot of loud voices. And the question is, how do we know what's true? And ultimately, we have to anchor ourselves in truth. But, the, but can it even be found? And so we want to explore that over the next several weeks. Now, the world's biggest liar competition is a really fun uh, story. I had a little fun this week going online and checking out their website. And I didn't know it existed. But actually, as I thought about it, the world's biggest liar competition is... Kind of a lie. Well, no, I mean, not really. It actually exists, but it's, to me, as someone who's a follower of Jesus, it's just not quite 
accurate. Because the world's biggest liar is not going to be discovered in Cumbria, England. The world's biggest liar was discovered well before humankind walked to this earth. And as we set up this series, I want to talk about that today. I'm calling today's message Origins, because we're going to go back right to the beginning. I want to go back to the origin story. I think it's a critical place for all of us to start, because it's really, really important that we understand why we need to talk about this in the first place. Make no mistake, everyone, you are fighting a battle today. Make no mistake about that. And here's the thing. God tells us, and we've talked about this already this year, that the battle we fight is not against flesh and blood. So if you look around this room, you see the person across the aisle, the person sitting next to you, guess what? Your battle today is not with them. Your battle today is with something much more powerful and destructive than any human ever. This is our enemy. And in the Bible, there are 33 different names or references to our enemy. This applies to all of us, okay? You may have heard the name Satan. That means the adversary. Maybe it's the devil, which is the accuser. Maybe you've heard this word, Beelzebub. Here's an interesting one. He's called the ruler of this world. He's also called the God of this age. See, this is the enemy that we are against every single day. And here's the other one I'm gonna focus in on. Our enemy is called the great deceiver. And he is about your total destruction. First Peter 5.8, I have this on the screen. If you're online, you could follow along in the notes section there as well, so be aware of that. But First Peter 5.8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I'm going to pause here for a story. It's a fun story. And I'm going to open it by saying, the bobcats are back. Some of you have no idea what I mean by that. I'm going to explain it. Five years ago, we moved into the house that we currently live in. It's on the other side of East Hampton. It's on a road called Comstock Trail, and it's off of a road called Waterhole Road. Some of you might know where that is. Uh, I preached a message around that same time. Um, because something had happened to me that had never happened to me before. As I was coming home late one evening, we were brand new to our house, I was turning on Waterhole Road, and all of a sudden, I see this bobcat go right across in front of me. I was like, whoa, it's a bobcat. Now, this is very exciting for me, because I'm a city boy, and all I saw was like squirrels growing up. So this was the first time I ever saw a real live bobcat in person. Fast forward a couple days, we have this shed in the back of our yard. I look out the window. It's nighttime again. The light was left on. And so I had to go out and shut it off. And so I decided to take my little Shih Tzu. Her name was Penelope at the time. She was about 10 or 12 pounds. We decided to go out to the back. 
and shut the light off. And, and I didn't realize what I was doing because about halfway down the yard, I realized there's woods all around me. I can't see my dog anymore. And all of a sudden, I felt like things were watching me and I started to get really, really freaked out about this. I said, the bobcats are gonna eat me, you know? And worse, maybe my dog. So, so I, you know, I was preaching around that time and I, I did get through it, I got through it. And I told this story and everybody laughed and I meant it to be funny uh, because it is kind of funny. I am really a wuss about uh, wild animals. Uh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> my daughter's saying, yep, you are. You know who takes care of the mice in my house? Not me, let me just say that. So I, I tell this story, people laugh, ha ha ha, it's funny. I actually had someone in uh, this church, this room, I will not mention names, <laughs> Cheryl. <clears throat> um, she, she sent me this hat with a light on it. And she writes this little funny note like, ha ha, this is for when you go out in your yard so you won't be scared and so the bobcats don't eat you. Yeah. So it's this big joke. Fast forward again. A few weeks later, my phone starts blowing up one day. Tom, did you see what happened? Did you read the, did you see the news? Did you read what? I'm like, no, what's going on? On Waterhole Road, a bobcat attacked two people in a group home that is on that road, sent them to the hospital, and they had to take this bobcat out. And I came back saying, see, this is the part I never got to say. I was right. I have every reason to be scared of that bobcat. Okay, now this is where the next story picks up. Fast forward a couple weeks ago. I'm working in the yard with my wife, Sarah, and my father-in-law, Brian. All of a sudden, Sarah says, did you see that? Oh, by the way, I should say, we've gotten used to the bobcats. We've taken lots of pictures and videos over the years now. They're super cute. I still won't go near them. Um, so she says, did you see that? I'm like, what? That was a bobcat. And it's chasing that chicken. So our neighbors have this chicken coop. Next thing you know, this, 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 this uh, white chicken is running and this bobcat is flying. Now, I didn't see this part. This is Sarah telling me. Right? So she goes up. She's like, oh, my goodness, what's happening? She goes up. She finds a pile of feathers on our neighbor's front lawn. And so she's telling our neighbor, hey, you have to check this out. Guess what? The bobcat got into the cage, actually ripped the... Uh, the, the, the fencing off of the cage. And so I'm at the other end of the driveway, naturally, because I'm not going near that. But knowing that within the, this happened within the last minute, I want to be careful. I want to look out. And the next thing I know, I see this bobcat. I, actually, I see this white thing kind of dangling. And I see this bobcat come to the edge of the woods like this. Middle of the day. The bobcats are back. But it reminded me immediately that we have an enemy just like this bobcat who walks around like a big lion in, in scripture. That's the imagery he uses, seeking whom he may devour. And I thought about that bobcat and those chickens, and that's the kind of enemy we are up against. Eight, John 8. 43 through 45, this is Jesus speaking. Listen to these words. He says, you can't even hear me, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. 
He's always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. See, Jesus knew the kind of enemy that we were against. Let's look at that scripture. You can leave it up there for a second, you guys. It says, he is the father of lies. He says, that verse says, there's no truth in him. It is his very nature. I love what someone else said, and this is really key. He is incapable of truth. Think about that. He is incapable of truth. And third, this might not go over well with some of you, sometimes he wins. Well, sort of. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So this is the real origin story. In fact, lies and deceit are the first way our enemy, the devil, Satan, the accuser, the God of this world, presented himself in this world. Do you realize that? And it was beautiful. He was beautiful. I want to look at that origin story. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 3. It will be on the screen. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? I'm going to stop right here for one second. Apparently... It was kind of normal for animals and humans to talk at this time. Think, think about this. God had just created the world and everything in it was good and perfect, right? And so here we have the first man, the first woman, all these animals, big and small, beautiful and perfect, right? And here we have, they're, they're, you know, these humans are naked. They don't know any difference. Everything is right in the world, Okay? So here we have this really unique, interesting situation, and all of a sudden, we see the serpent, the most beautiful of all the beasts that God had created. Apparently, it may have had legs as well as it walks up. That's a big debate. I couldn't care less either way. But we have this beautiful serpent come up and just start having a conversation. Did God really say you must not eat of it? And, and the woman replied, of course we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden. It's only the fruit in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. And God said, don't eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And so, so to, to Eve, this is not even a big deal. It's like, yeah, look at all this stuff we have at our disposal. Isn't God so awesome? Yeah, that's just the one thing he said. No big deal. They just kind of went on with their life. It's all good. No problem. And the serpent replied to the woman, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like him, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced, and she saw that the tree was beautiful, and it looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. What are we seeing here about our enemy? What are we seeing here about the devil, the serpent, the accuser, the liar, the great deceiver? First of all, he lies about who he is, right? 
He comes in a completely different form. It was beautiful. He lies from the beginning, even about who he is. He disguised himself in the skin of the most beautiful creature in that garden. And he was smooth. He was likable. The Bible says he comes even today as an angel of light. So we see right away, first words out of mind. He, he actually, he didn't have to say anything. His character, he just lied about who he was. He came in full deceit. What else do we see? He lies about who God is. Does he not? Listen to me. He is always, our enemy is always going to misrepresent God's character in his heart, in his intent. I'm going to say that again. God, uh, he is always going to misrepresent God's character and his intent. God's just trying to keep you down. He's trying to limit you from being all you can be. He's taking away all of your freedoms. This is our enemy, the great deceiver, lying about God. One person said it this way. Satan's dedication to lying is complete. He is incapable of telling the truth. Think about that. His dedication to lying, to deceit, is complete. And he's incapable of telling the truth. That hit me this week. He is incapable of telling the truth. And so we see here, he's very powerful. The deceiver is powerful. We see here also that the deceiver is bold. Actually, you know, he, he, if we go back, and we can't go into this story, but he was bold enough to take on God in heaven before humans even existed. That's a bold enemy that we have. Then if you look even on earth, right, when he took Jesus into the wilderness, tempted him for 40 days, that's a pretty bold move. He thought he even had an edge on God himself and Jesus himself. The deceiver is crafty. And last of all, the deceiver knows we're vulnerable. Again, I go back to that bobcat. I think about him thinking about the chickens in that coop. I could overpower, I could overpower them for sure. I'm bold enough to come out middle of the day and rip the fencing right off of that cage. He's crafty. He knows how to do it. And he knows that they were vulnerable. And we are too. And so before we go into this series talking about the lies we believe, I think it's really important first, before anything else, that we see that we are against a real enemy who knows where we stand. So how might he do it today with us? Well, I'm going to read this passage. I don't think I put it up. Just listen. He says, and now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Stop for a second. This is coming from the book of Romans, chapter 16. Romans is this great book that kind of is a defense of all that we believe, defense of the gospel, the good news. It was written by who? There you go. Yeah, 50-50 chance. We got it. 
And so here he writes this great book, and then this is the final chapter, and he's wrapping up with these remarks, which I always think are really important. This is like the last thing he's saying, and he says, and now I make one more appeal, everyone, brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people aren't serving Christ our Lord. They're serving their own personal interests by smooth talk, glowing words, they deceive innocent people. We are so vulnerable. Smooth talk, glowing words, people prone to division, people prone to believing lies. And Paul says, this great pillar of our faith, he says, watch out. Keep away from people who are trying to cause division. They're not serving themselves. They're not serving Christ. They're serving themselves. They like to twist the truth. Let me say this. I believe I've been saying it for years. I think the enemy knows exactly how to speak to us, and the things sometimes that sound the most spiritual, listen to me, sometimes the things that sound the most spiritual are the biggest lies that we can believe. And I believe that has happened in the church for a long time, and it's still happening, because it sounds so right. It sounds so right. We need to be careful of that twisting of the truth. That's an Andy Stanley phrase. I love that. He twists the truth. He takes what we believe to be true. He just twists it just a little bit. Why? What is Satan's goal? Write this down if you're taking notes. His goal is always to separate us from relationship with God. His goal is always to separate us from relationship with God. Let's think about this for a second. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the origin. Let's go back to Genesis, right? He comes to Adam and Eve trying to do what ultimately? Separate them from God. All of a sudden, they realized they were naked, right? They had this guilt and the shame that they never had before. Actually, the Bible says he, 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 Jesus would come and God would come and walk with them each day. They just had this relationship together. What's the first thing that happened once they sinned? They went and hid. All of a sudden, something changed. He was separating them from their creator, the good almighty God, right? Let's think of what he was doing when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. I already brought this up. Do you realize if you go back and you read what Satan's tactic was with Jesus in the wilderness, he was trying to give him authority over God. That was how he was trying to tempt him. Oh, by the way, this happened right after Jesus was baptized. We celebrated baptisms last week. Wasn't that awesome? So here, the spiritual high, actually, Matthew chapter 3, they talk about this. Um, I think it's Luke chapter 3 as well. But it's the, the Father and the Son and the Spirit were all together in harmony. And then the next chapter is Jesus goes off into the wilderness. And guess what? That's where the enemy, the great deceiver, the liar, the accuser, the devil met him. And Jesus has to say what? Get behind me, Satan. Shut up. But I would tell you this, what I believe is Jesus was very tempted. We might look at, he's God, he's easy, he just turns and goes another way. I don't think that was the case. I think Jesus was very tempted. In fact, the Bible says he was tempted in all points as we were, yet without sin. 
And Satan's goal for us is to separate us from our relationship with God. He wants to put as much distance between you and God as he possibly can. He plans to use his lies and deceit to draw us away from God's heart and his kingdom heart right here on earth and in our own personal lives. That is the enemy's plan. I said in the beginning, there is nothing more powerful than the power of a lie. Well, I might have told a half-truth there. Because that's not really the whole truth. There's nothing more powerful than the power of a lie except for the power of the truth. There's nothing more powerful than the power of a lie except for the power of the truth. And how do we find this truth? We find this truth in Jesus and in his word. And here is the truth, everyone. The truth is that Jesus has won. I got one amen. The truth is that Jesus has won. Already won. And now, guess what? We do not have to be caught in those lies because we win because Jesus wins. Listen, we do know the end of the story. We do. The God of peace crushed Satan the deceiver when he died on that cross. Do you realize that? He did. I talked about this earlier in the year. I'm going to go back to Genesis 3.15. This is our origin story. This is the first time in Genesis 3.15 that we see God's victory. He says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. What he's saying that is now forever you sinned. Yeah, that changes things. Now there is going to be pain, there's going to be guilt, there's going to be shame. We are going to have lies in this world, we're going to believe them. And by the way, right away that started happening. He says, but one day I'm going to make everything right. And what's ultimately going to happen is, yeah, the Satan's, Satan's going to get at you. The enemy's going to be able to bruise your heel. But guess what? I am going to crush his head. On that cross, Jesus dealt a mortal blow. Right? That's how we know we've won. The lies you believe are planted by an enemy who is trying to separate you from relationship with Jesus. But when we anchor ourselves in the victorious one, you can experience freedom from lies and deceit. I really believe that. You can. 1 John 2.14 says, I've written to you who are God's children. That's all of us. Wherever you are in your journey, I believe that's all of us. You know the Father. And I, now I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. You have won your battle with the evil one. It's already over. Check out this verse. I do have this one. 
First John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Remember that God of the world that we talked about? He says, you know what? Everything has changed. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We have victory already. We need to live in that and we need to walk in that. Yes, the deceiver is powerful, but he is no match for an omnipotent, all-powerful God. The deceiver is bold, but he is no lion like the lion of Judah. The deceiver is crafty, but he holds no advantage over the one who is omniscient, who knows all things. And the deceiver knows we're vulnerable, but he is defenseless from an almighty God. You already have the victory, and that is worth an amen and a clap and a good church. We do. <laughs> Revelation, as I close, 2019. I started in the beginning in Origins, and now I'm going to jump right to the end. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 says, Then the devil, who had what? deceived them. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. My friends, people at Hope Church, people in this community, both online, inside these walls and outside these walls, as a follower of Jesus, you already have the victory. You already won. So we need to walk like it. And we need to live like it. The power and the authority that God has given us through him, we can say, shut up. I will not believe these lies anymore. So as we journey through this series... I want that to stay first and foremost on our minds. As you do some self-inventory throughout the series, just remember, God is for you. He is not against you. And the enemy is always going to come after you. Having that, knowing as we move forward, is huge for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you are a good God and we pray to you today, right now in this moment as the one who has already won. You are victorious. You are omnipotent. You are omniscient. And God, we need to place our faith and trust in that, in you and in you alone. Lord, even as we've sung these songs today and we're about to sing one more song, God, I pray that we would rest in the victory that you have already promised us. And as we go through this together, all different parts of our journey, some may be close to you, some maybe not, that's okay. God, wherever we are, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. Now just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. I just want to say this to you. Listen, if you're uh, not sure, even kind of where you are in your spiritual journey and you want to know more, we would love to talk to you about that. 
Maybe today you can do that right through that guest connection card. There's going to be a QR code on the screen that you could take a picture of as we leave. Wait for that. Snap a picture. Just say, hey, I want to talk to somebody. I believe we're going to have some people up here praying afterwards for people who have needs and concerns. They'll pray with you and for you, people we trust. Ask them about that. How could I know God? How could I be his follower? All we need to do is place our trust in an almighty God who already has the victory. And he is there for you. So God, I pray for every heart in this room. Protect it. Guide each person and help us to be a place that is just not going to believe the lies anymore. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.